so thankful for the story that we tell um, together as a body every week. It's a story of of beauty, a story of salvation that that sinners like you and I, as we acknowledge every week, have been saved by grace that we've been grafted in to this glorious gospel. We've been spending some time in the book of Romans, um, and we're going to be there for some time this spring, and then probably for several springs to come as we slowly look at this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And I'm just encouraged by the gift of this letter. I'm encouraged that God in his kindness would, A, speak truth to his people and then preserve it over thousands of years and continue to speak that same truth through his word to us every day. And so this morning, we're going to look at Romans 2. As we look at Romans 2, I want you to see that there's a contrast in the way that you and I think about judgment and the way that God presents judgment to us. Probably a lot of you uh, work in different jobs, and several iterations of my life ago, um, from 2003 to 2009, I was in the Navy, and being in the military, you had um, you you had a rank that you were given initially when you came in, and then to to move up in rank, you were evaluated every year, and so these evaluations would take place, and they were evaluations of how you performed in your job. Many of these evaluations were were created to be based on merit. Like, have you earned the ability to progress in rank? Have you showed yourself faithful in the things that you would do? And did you work hard? Like, did you have a work ethic that would drive you to um, labor, that would drive you to have even sometimes the attitude was taken into account? So you had all of these things that would feed into this evaluation of how you were doing. And if you performed high enough on the evaluation, then you would uh, have a chance to be promoted and to go up in rank. They even had a little piece on physical fitness. I know you think the Navy, really? And yes, we did. It was, it was a low bar, but... You had to, you had to be above that bar. Otherwise you could not be promoted. And so all of these things would be taken into account. Even sometimes, uh, one of the human aspects of it was whoever was evaluating you, if they liked you or not, that would play sometimes. And it, it's messed up, but it's, it's a human thing. So it's going to have some flaws. So these evaluations were done. This morning, as we look at Romans 2, We're seeing an evaluation that God does of all of humanity. That one day we're actually going to stand before a holy God and he's going to judge us rightly. We looked at it last week, like the idea of the judgment of God being righteous and good, that he would judge holiness and say that this being like me is good and being unlike me is evil. And so this morning we see Again, as we look in Romans 2, 5 through 11, that as we stand before God and are evaluated, as we are judged, we're judged by what we've done. And so I pray that God would give us clarity because there's a couple things here that that have to be uh, worked out that we have to be careful not to say as we're saying what is true. And so let's hear what God has to say to us this morning. Let's sit under the word together and we need the 
the gift of the Spirit this morning to give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Because what we'll do is we'll read God's Word often, and we'll try to make it something that we can, uh, we, we try to manipulate it in our own hearts. Because our hearts are evil. They're kind of deceitful. And so what we need is that new man, the one that Christ has worked for us, that has put in us as the, as the war between our, our spirit and our flesh takes place. We need the spirit to be clear today. We want to hear what God has to say. So let's ask him this morning. Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you even for life experience. God, the ability to to have all of these experiences that we bring to uh, your word, Lord. But we pray that your word would be what defines our experiences, not the other way around. So, Lord, would you do that in and to and through us today? Lord, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see? God, and we pray that uh, as your church gathers in all kinds of places today, that you would be lifted high. We pray for Riverside Presbyterian Church in Cocoa Beach, Lord, and Chris, Dr. Chris Carson, Lord, as, as they gather together, Lord, that they would see your face. God, that they would hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus and that they would be transformed into your image so that they would live on mission for you. So, Lord, we just ask that you would do that there, even as you're doing it here. God, would you do that at Pineda this morning, as the, the congregation there would gather, Lord, would you be lifted high? And as you're lifted high, Lord, would you remind us again that, yes, while we stand under judgment, we have a great Savior. May we hear that truth this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The, the synopsis for this morning. As you read Romans 2, 5 through 11, I just want to condense it down. And it says this, everyone will be judged by God for our works. A reward of eternal life and blessing for good works and an award of eternal wrath for evil deeds. Maybe as you're hearing that, you're like, wait, that there's something different about that than what I've heard my whole life in church. Like, that, what, let me hear that again. Okay. Everyone will be judged by God for our works, a reward of eternal life and blessing for good works, and an award of eternal wrath for evil deeds. Well, where do we see that? We see it as we pick up in verse 5. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Paul's talking about judgment. He's talking about standing before a holy and righteous God and being judged by him. Verse 6, he, being God, the Holy One, will render to each one according to his works. But I thought that we're saved by grace. I thought it's, it's grace that saves us, not works. So, so how... How can we hear this? Well, remember, Paul is building an argument, so we don't want to take this out of context and say, well, that's, that's the fullness of it. Because what Paul is doing is these first three chapters of Romans, he's building an argument that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, when you stand before a holy God and you display your works, you are judged for those works. To those who would do good, there's going to be this beautiful reward of life. To those who would do evil, there's wrath. And so as we sit under this, man, we're, we're praying, remember, for clarity. And I think one of the ways that's really helpful 
as we look at this is uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way in Romans 2, 6 through 10, they show the grounds of judgment and condemnation, not the way of salvation. Hear that again. This is talking about the judgment of God. It's not talking about how God saves. You are not saved by your works. However, you are judged according to the way that you would live your life. It says they, he goes on and says, they show that works can condemn even if they cannot save. Our works condemn us. Our works leave us at a place where we have a need, a great need, like a need for righteousness. And Paul is building, in Romans 1, 2, and 3, the foundation of our need. That you and I, in and of ourselves, we cannot be good enough. Pause for a minute. Think about this week. Think about where you tried really hard to be good enough. What roles do you feel like you, got, you, you need to try harder in to be good enough? Because as we think about this, we, we process like, how have I lived in a way where I have taken that evaluation that Joel talked about in the beginning that, and, and applied that to the way that God looks at me and the way that he sees me and thought, man, I need to work harder in these areas. Maybe my last eval said, hey, they uh, subpar in this thing and he needs work and improvement. And so then I go and I labor to do those things and I am projecting onto God my worldly view of what righteousness looks like and how I'm going to earn my salvation. And the whole time, all I'm earning is judgment. And I forget that truly it is by grace that I have been saved. It's by grace that I have been grafted in, not because I worked harder, and yet I'm still warring with that on a daily basis to trust in the grace that I've received, to trust that it's sufficient for me, so if you're like me and you read this, I just want you to hear that this is not talking about how, you, how you're saved. We know the truth of how we are saved, and we're going we're gonna to get there, but we need to sit under this why we need saving for a second. Because if we just gloss over it, we devalue what Christ has done to save. We take it for granted. I took it for granted this week. And so one of my first things in, in this confession this morning is just to repent. Lord, I've, I've tried to do this myself. I've labored to make myself good enough for your judgment. And yet, if any of this is true, if Romans 1 and the end of it says that, that in my own heart, I have all kinds of wickedness and deceitfulness, even to the point of some of these little things that I don't think are that big of a deal, and you've said that they defy your holiness. God, have mercy. And then in Romans 2, if I've sat in judgment over others, thinking that in a comparison between me and them, I too have been wrong, God. Have mercy. God, may I come to you not thinking that I could fill up my righteousness, because I've seen that my righteousness does not measure up to your holiness. And so if this is true about this judgment piece, I have a need. I have a need. 
as we continue on in verse 7. So God, the he there, will render to each one according to his works. He's going to give what you are owed. Render. Render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. There's beauty there. There's beauty in one who will um, patiently, continuously, over and over, practice well-doing, like seeking the, the well-being of others, laying down their life for others. That's what we see that love is throughout all of Scripture. Like those who would love God and love others, that's what this is pointing at. So for those who are patient in well-doing and they seek for glory and honor and immortality, what does that mean? What, what we see in Matthew, and, and I love the Sermon on the Mount and how it correlates with a lot of this, is, is the desire that Jesus has for those who would follow him is that they would find their identity in him. That this kingdom that he's building, they would say, that's, that's me, that's where I belong. And he says this in Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God. That kingdom is a kingdom of glory and honor, and it's an everlasting kingdom. It's a kingdom of immortality. This is the God who has done this. We seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto us. There's one who has earned the award of eternal life for His righteousness. Jesus has done this perfectly. He's earned the reward that God the Father has saved for those who would, by obedience and righteousness, show their merit. Jesus has done that. Only Him. And this is where we, we sit for a minute. We remember that He has done that. But verse 8 goes on, But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. This judgment is pointing to a future end-time judgment. A judgment where we stand before God, a holy God, and we give account for the way that we have lived our lives. You see it in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. I'm going to turn there so that I can read it for you. Revelation 20 talking about the white throne of judgment where God sits and he judges all of humanity. It says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Verse 12 at the end of it says, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. So just like Paul is reiterating the fact that, listen, the, the way that you live your life, the deeds that you do, the works that you do, you will be judged according to those things. And John, as he's writing this revelation of Jesus, he says the same thing. Each one of them, according to what they had done. 
Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. All of that is really powerful, pretty weighty. Feels like, man, that, that's a lot this morning. And it is. It is a lot. You see, we think that sin is not that big of a deal, and yet God has said, no, it's a, it's a huge deal. It's such a deal that I, to reconcile sinful humans, will send my son. The most costly thing that I have, the most precious thing that I have to, to make a way for you and I to come to a holy God, to be reconciled to God. Sin is a big deal. The way that we live, the way that we work, the thoughts that we have, the motivations of our heart are all a huge deal. When we stand before God under the judgment of a holy one. Again, Paul is leading us somewhere. You see, he's going to sum it all up in Romans 3.20. It says, for by works of the law, by deeds, by works, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. That's that's what he's saying. None of us can achieve this in our flesh. None of us can make can produce a righteousness that would be, when we bring it before a holy God, he would say, good job. You worked hard enough. You achieved it. Your eval is sufficient that I'm going to promote you. (laughs) He's got a completely different way of promoting us. Here's the beauty of it. When he looks at you and he finds you wanting, it's truthful, it's honest, and we can say, I did not measure up. I didn't, I don't measure up. I'm actually in the, in the B, in the verse eight category. For those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Verse nine, there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek. Myself, in my own abilities, that's where I end up before holy God. That's how I will be judged before holy God. I can't do it. Here's the beauty. As soon as we say that, as soon as we acknowledge that I rightfully judged, I stand condemned. How will I be saved from that judgment? You see, the the story of Scripture so often is we think salvation from circumstances. We think salvation from bad things. But the reality is that as you read Scripture, you see God saving from his own judgment. Think about the the story of Exodus and, and the story of the judgment that God proclaimed upon Egypt. Right? It was a rightful judgment. It was his judgment. He was going to take the firstborn sons. And so God delivered those who would place their hope and their faith and their trust in him. He delivered them from his own judgment. He saved them and brought them out of that place. 
and into the place that he had promised them, into the promised land. You think about Noah and the the story of God judging the earth and saying, there's nothing good here. It's all evil, but I'm going to save a remnant from my judgment. And so he saves Noah. Because the judgment of a holy God, when we stand in front of it, all of us are condemned. All of us stand under that judgment. But God is gracious. God is kind. God is faithful. And his covenant promise continues day after day after day. He is redeeming and saving a people, not because they've earned it. Not because in their own righteousness they've measured up to his judgment, but because his son has. You see, Jesus stands before a holy God, and the judgment that he receives is life, eternal life. Because he merits it. Because he's glorious and beautiful. Because he's perfectly obedient to the Father. And so how are we saved? We are saved because if you and I would by faith trust in Jesus, then we're actually hidden in Christ. You see, at the judgment before a holy God, Jesus says, that one's mine. That book that we read about in Revelation, there's a a book of life. There's, There's names on it that have been purchased by God, that have been saved from the judgment of God. And if we would trust in him, if we would not, not just a, a believism, not just like, I, I believe that that's true, but it actually has such faith in action. Faith that would look like the repentance we talked about last week, right? The wrath is being stored up for those who have an impenitent heart, for those who not repent and turn to Christ. So you and I, by repentance and faith, take hold of Jesus, the great Savior. And in him, we find out, actually, I have a different reward. I don't get the reward that I deserve. I get the reward that he deserves because now my life is hidden in Christ. And so when God looks upon me, he sees the son because I am in him. By faith, for faith, this righteousness that we see in Romans 1.16, this beautiful gospel, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, For it is the power of God for salvation. How is God saved? He has taken you and drawn you into himself in Christ. He saved you from his own judgment. That's the power of the gospel that would save sinners like you and I. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. You see, here's the beauty of it. As we take hold of Christ by faith, Chris walked us through this propitiation, this atoning work of God, that he would, on his son, pour out wrath this wrath that we're talking about at the end time, this judgment, this, this fire, this death has been poured out on Christ. He absorbed the wrath that you and I deserve if we are in him. And he's given us life. You see, the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus lived a perfect, obedient life to the Father. And so when he stands before God, he stands 
with the award that he should deserve that he that he's earned is this verse seven to those who are patient by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality he will give eternal life but instead jesus took the the wrath and the death that you and i deserve but he didn't stay dead three days later he rose victorious over sin and death. And if you and I are in Christ now, we have died to ourselves and we've risen with Him and we stand before a holy God, righteous, not because of our works, but because of His works. Not because of just forgiveness that would say that the, the ground is neutral and your, your whiteboard is clean, but now on that whiteboard is the beauty of Christ. Everything that He has done is on your record. Who are we that he would be mindful of us, much less that he would pour out his grace upon us? He's so kind to us. And when we grasp that, and we begin to see that the righteousness of Christ is for me, by grace we actually begin to work out that righteousness in our own lives. Like we get to see Jesus and his perfect obedience, his kindness, his tenderness, his patient well, well-doing. We get to see that. Like I get to be kind to my children. I get to truly love my neighbor. And that's not me and my righteousness. It is the righteousness of Christ being worked out in my life now. If we're in Christ and there's anything good in us, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And so I I get rid of this evaluation system that the world wants to put on me and that I want to put on myself because then I think I can climb higher or I can work harder and achieve those things. But instead I say, God, if this is true, if your word is true, then I cannot be any worse than I am right now and I can't be any better than I am right now because I have exchanged my righteousness for yours. My unrighteousness was paid for at the cross, and you've put your righteousness in me. And out of gratitude for that great grace, I live differently. Like, I I have a a generous heart. I, I don't have to try to grab things now to make myself better, but I can freely release all of those things because I know the truth. I've been set free from sin and death by grace through the work of Jesus Christ. And this gospel becomes really good news. I don't have to go and I don't have to attempt to try anymore. I get to rest in the one who has done it. But I also look at my life and I see where he's producing righteousness. You see, the story is not over. You and I are being changed. We're being transformed into the image of Christ. Everything, every good thing that you see as you read the Gospels, you're like, man, he was so kind. So generous with his life. He was so compassionate. That gets worked out in us. You see, Ephesians 2.10, we, we keep referencing Ephesians because there's so much beauty in this Gospel. And it's, th- it's throughout the New Testament as Paul explains it and as the other apostles explain it. But Ephesians 2.10 says that, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Back to that works piece. You see, at the, at the cross, 
something happened to where now I have the righteousness of Christ on my record. So when I'm judged, the righteousness of Christ will be there. But the beauty is that the righteousness of Christ is also being worked out right this moment in my life. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Today, you and I get to walk in the good works, the beautiful righteousness of Christ. We actually were changed and transformed into that. And there's so much joy there. Not because I'm earning this evaluation, not because I'm finally measuring up, but because I have one who is measured up for me and I'm free to walk in that, to rest in that. Can I be honest? I don't rest in that well. I don't. I continue to fight and war in my own heart thinking that I need to earn the grace of God. And as soon as I do that, that's an... Those things don't compute. You cannot earn grace. Grace is a free gift that you and I have received. We cannot earn it. And so I need to be reminded daily, hourly, like probably as soon as we're done here, I need you to remind me that my identity as a child of God cannot be changed by what I do. Your identity as a child of God cannot be changed by what you do. It's a complete and finished work. But he's working out his beauty, his graciousness, his kindness in you for his glory. And so what we need to be is we need to be a professing people. We need to be a proclaiming people that say, no, there's nothing good in me. If you see anything good in it, it's Jesus. And we need to do that to a world that doesn't even understand that. Like you might think, well, I have non-Christian friends and they're not going to understand when I say that. It doesn't matter whether they understand that or not. You and I can't lie to them and make them think that we're good people. We need to be honest and say, listen, there's nothing good in me, but if you see anything good, it's Jesus. And, and here's the beauty of it. I love that he says that there's no respecter. Sorry, Romans uh, 2.11 says, for God shows no partiality. God shows no partiality. He shows no partiality when he judges because we're all condemned. And he shows no partiality when he shows grace. So if I can receive that grace and I'm, I'm a mess, then you can receive that grace and you can be a mess. But thankfully, he doesn't leave us as a mess. But that's what our friends need to know. And I'm so wrong, like, uh, not to heap condemnation because we're free in Christ, but we do need to see. Think about how many nice non-Christians you know. People who, if you don't come to them with this gospel truth, are going to continue to strive to try to earn an eval before a holy God. And they're going to measure up and they're going to be found wanting in the reality of the judgment and the wrath that will be poured out on those who are not in Christ is, is real. And we can't take it for granted. And so we're called as the body, as the people of God, to speak truth. It might seem crazy, like, you know, like sometimes I get compliments from people. Do I take those compliments and just 
continue on or do I actually speak truth to that? And it's hard. Like it feels weird, especially if they've never gone to church, if they never understand what sin is. And, but here's the beauty of it is you get to explain to them what sin is. Hopefully just a simple thing. Like actually if that, that right there, that kindness, normally I'm really unkind. Normally I'm impatient, <laughs> but Jesus is doing this work in me to move me from death to life. And you're like, I am not saying that to John or to whoever it is that you have in your head right now. I would say, let's ask God if that's what we should be saying to John. Because if it's true for you and me, then it's true for them. And we have the greatest gift that we've ever received in the grace of Jesus Christ. So let's get weird. Let's get awkward. Let's, let, let's be a people that say, I do not care what the world thinks. I care about what Christ thinks. I care what, what a holy God thinks. I care about truth so much so that I will get awkward with people. And maybe, maybe I lose a friend. And, and that might happen. As we look at the, the New Testament church, there was a lot of persecution that we have accounted for. And we don't, we don't even have to go all the way back there. We can see it now in our lives. When you, when you begin to speak truth, you lose some friends, but is it worth it? Is it worth it to keep some friends that might be going to hell because they think that they're earning it? Is that, is that the price we want to pay? And so I'm just saying, like, as the people of God, saved by grace, know the grace that you've received. Rejoice in the grace that you've received. And then let that grace change you. To where you're just like, man, I cannot help. And here's what we'll do. We'll take this and we'll say, Joel said that we need to go and start telling everybody more and more. And we just need to get weird and awkward. Listen, that's not what I'm saying. I am saying that God can do that. And so don't take this and say, I've got to earn (laughs) that grace by going and telling others. No, you have received grace upon grace just like you are. But what do we do with that? How do we live in that? We live in such a way that it would move us outside of our comfort zone to worship him in every relationship that we have, to worship him in everything that he's given us, to be generous with our lives for his glory. Because that's what this is ultimately about. It's about his glory. Is God going to be glorified? Yes. The answer is yes. And he's doing it now, today, in and to and through us. Because you and I, we go back to that summary statement, everyone will be judged by God for our works, a reward of eternal life and blessing for good works and an award of eternal wrath for evil deeds. That's true. But by grace, you have been saved, not of your own works, but because of what Christ has done. And so this morning we stand in the righteousness of Christ. I pray that we would rejoice in the righteousness of Christ too. Amen. Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you for your kindness, Lord, that even as we move into a a time of communion and remembering the atoning work of the Son on our behalf, Lord, that it would lead us to joy. Lord, I pray that um, just against the lies of the enemy that would try to tell us that we need to earn it, that we need to earn 
um, a good judgment before a holy God. Even as we stand in grace, Lord, that, that the call to proclaim would not be a, a pro- proclamation out of, done out of duty, but it would be done out of delight, knowing that we have received grace upon grace and we would go with our lives joyfully. May none of us feel the, the condemnation that we're not under. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak truth. God, we thank you for um, your righteousness. We thank you for your perfect obedience to the Father, Jesus. And so we um, remember that this morning. We rejoice in it this morning. We thank you that you offer that free grace to all who would repent and believe in the gospel. May we do it today with joy in Jesus' name. Amen.